Welcome to Freedom Not Control with host Justin Melanson. Every day we hear about freedom being taken away from us and it affects us more and more. From basic privacy to deep technology, how does it affect you and what can you do about it? On today's show, we'll discuss what's being done now and what's coming soon so that you can take back control of your freedom. Now, here is Justin Melanson. Hello and welcome to Freedom Not Control. It's Justin Melanson. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with uh, South Carolina representative here, um, District 8, I believe, uh, Greenville, um, since 2014. And um, I must say a true patriot somebody that's really trying to do everything that he can to preserve our, our constitutional Republic. And, uh, his name is Jonathan Hill and real quick, I'm going to let him start off. But as you can see behind me, life loop is our sponsor, life loop, free speech, social media platform. Um, it's a people first and always will be a people first platform. Um, it is uncensored. It is um, not owned by big tech, <laughs> but um, it's for the people, uh, safe, secure. It's free to download Google, Apple Play. And I'm going to go ahead and let Jonathan go ahead and start us off here, sir. Thank you. For, thank you for coming. Well, thank you, Justin. I appreciate the opportunity. I really do. And um, I always appreciate anybody that's out there trying to do something about what's going on. I, um, I'm actually here in Anderson County, uh, Western side, um, up, right up against the Georgia state line. And, um, okay. just, um, been involved in politics for about 10 years. Um, got involved for the first time, uh, like so many other people are right now as a result of things going on at, in our government at the national and state levels. And, uh, just very concerned about this. And, um, so, you know, parents raised me with the idea that you don't sit around and complain about it. If, if something's bothering you, try to do something about it. And so, um, 10 years later, here we are. <laughs> right. I, and to add on that, I never thought I'd be sitting here running a show like this, anything about politics. Um, but with seeing this year, ever since I was in my early twenties and went, um, you know, started loving computers and knew I was going to go to school for computers and software websites. And, you know, um, I wanted to build a platform like Life Loop. I wanted to build a, a platform, um, you know, because I'm so interested in technology. And who would ever thought when I finally did it that I would be more focused on this, which is more important than the platform, um, because without saving our country our freedom and um i can't i just couldn't sit on the sidelines like a lot of people anymore um I, well censorship and cancel culture are real things and we're seeing that mm -hmm. more, more these days I, i'll tell you what i never would have thought that i would live to see the day that twitter would turn off the president's press secretary's twitter account or the or you know censor the president's tweets and things like that i mean yeah. um it really is, I think maybe we're starting to see a redefinition of, of what is government and a, and a blurring of the lines between what has traditionally been government and what is, you know, 
um, the execution of political power and political force via large corporations. And we're seeing that with mask mandates everywhere. Uh, we're seeing that with, um, we're probably going to see even more kinds of health mandates, such as vaccine mandates, testing mandates, mm. uh, things along those lines uh, in the future as well. So um, it's uh, in many ways a frightening time to be an American. And yet some of the most active, most conservative people that I know in my circles right now trying to do something about it in, here in South Carolina are actually people from out of state. Wow. Um, people who, um, like this past weekend, just met a, a woman who moved down from Canada and she says, you guys, you guys have no idea how good you have it here. Oh, and, I just uh, seen, saw yeah. things about that. <laughs> people are moving here to South Carolina from California, from New York, New Jersey, from Florida, um, mm -hmm. people are moving to Florida from those states mm -hmm. as well. And, um, so, you know, I, I very much would like to see America remain the land of the free and the home of the brave. And uh, to do that, we're going to have to have more um, politicians that understand that and act not, not understand, but are actually committed to the idea, once again, that government is going to be of the people, by the people, and for the people. But right. before that's ever going to happen, the people are going to have to demand it. The people right. are going to have to demand change. They're going to have to be involved in the process. So that's the most important of the checks and balances that our founding fathers gave us. Um, Benjamin Franklin walks out of the constitutional convention and he says, you have a Republic if you can keep it. And those were mm -hmm. important, important words that I think have rung through the century since then that we have freedom only. So only to the degree that we are willing to actually get involved and uh, force the politicians to leave us alone. Wow. Um, speaking as, you know, you're there in the policy. I'm not, I'm not sure how often you're there in DC. Do you go there sporadically throughout the year or do you? Well, I'm actually at the state, state level. So we, state we level? go to our, um, yeah, we go to our um, state capital, which is Columbia, South Carolina. And so mm -hmm. um, different states do it different ways here in South Carolina. We have a approximately six month session from, it starts in January and goes to May sometime and usually a few extra days throughout the rest of the year. So uh, this year obviously was an, an anomaly like so many other states got cut short in March. What I've, shutdowns and so forth. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. From what I've told, and um, as you can see in states like um, California and Michigan, um, the battleground is a state level. Seems like this is where you gotta, you gotta hold your ground. You gotta, protect the state level because, um, you know, I'll be honest, I'm a novice to a lot of things, different areas of politics and different levels. And, you know, I didn't know before this went down that, you know, a governor could, you know, refuse the president or this and that. I thought, you know, like a lot of people, I'm sure they're the boss. I mean, everything has seemed to turn against him. I feel like you disrespect Trump any other way um, for many different reasons, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with that starts here. Right. Starts and, and who would have thought that uh, governors would have all these emergency powers? I, you know, I've been involved in politics for probably 10 years here in South Carolina and his historically, I mean, going all the way back to, um, our, the writing of our current constitution, which was most recently rewritten in 1895, 
right in the middle of the Jim Crow era, uh, the Constitution was written in such a way to keep minorities out of office and to make sure that it, even if they did somehow manage to find themselves in the governor's mansion, that they would have absolutely no power because the legislature runs everything. And that has um, created an environment that's conducive, very conducive to corruption uh, here in South Carolina, especially. And we've, we've seen mm-hmm. so many politicians removed from office for breaking the law in one area or another. We've had a lot of corrupt sheriffs removed from office over the last mm-hmm. several years as well. And I firmly believe that that's just scratching the, um, the tip of the iceberg there. So, you know, I, I really, historically, the, the governor has been extremely weak here in South Carolina compared to other states, especially. And, and nothing I would agree that I wasn't going to say that, but I would agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, everything not a fan. I, I will... he issued his first executive order in March and shut the state down. And the rest of us are just astounded, wondering two things. One, is this really legal? And is he really allowed to do this? And two, how long is it going to last and what do we do about it? And so there were a few of us that started in, in here in South Carolina started um, speaking up um, somewhere along April, May and uh, trying to put some pressure on the governor and say, Hey, this is not okay. This is, this is not good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I tell you what, I think I, uh, I, you know, I was in, in court recently listening in on a, on a lawsuit where somebody was challenging uh, much like what happened in Michigan the constitutionality of these executive orders. I saw that. Carolina. And uh, the, one of the governor's attorneys, the governor's lead attorney said, you know, unless I'm missing something, I don't look around and see 50 tyrants in, in the United States over each of these states. And mm-hmm. I just had a, had a little chuckle to myself because my goodness, um, he must have a very different definition of tyrant than I do. Right. I wouldn't say I see 50, but there is quite a few. I would say, um, there are some good ones. Um, speaking, I like I like Nikki Haley a lot. I was, you know, I think I thought she was good. She was she was here, um, but again, you know, she's done a I'm great job a, at the UN. Um, many of us activists who were involved in the Tea Party movement know her as uh, affectionately as Tricky Nikki. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> yeah, she uh, she's certainly. So you're, you're a libertarian, aren't you? Are you originally a libertarian? I've I have libertarian leanings on some policy mm. positions, but I'm not a libertarian philosophically speaking. I'm oh, okay. a conservative, uh, coming from a traditional background. But um, you know, I I don't think that libertarianism really provides a complete um, view of life, or or is a complete you know um, uh, political philosophy or, or philosophy of the world. It's more of an economic theory. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's more of an approach to economics. And then that's why you see so many of the, uh, libert- great li- libertarian writers coming out of the field of economics. Um, so I, I think they definitely have something important to tell us, um, and, mm-hmm. and learn from them, but I don't think that that's the whole story. I don't think you can reduce right. everything in the, in the universe down to one, um, one moral law or one moral demand. I'd call myself a libertarian. <laughs> like, <laughs> Some people like the term conservatarian to describe people like me. I really don't like labels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not for big government. I'm for freedom. Um, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm for uh, your right to have a choice on your health care. Um, but obviously I'm not for, you know, most of my views would 
definitely wouldn't lean towards, you know, giving out definitely not one uh, health care plan, definitely not one anything. Globalism, I'm anti-globalism, huge anti-globalist. Yeah. Uh, and um, I have friends all over the world and um, they you were just touching on that. But, you know, from the UK and even in Australia and, you know, they love they would love to come over here. They could swim over here. They would, um, especially now. Yes, and if you are in one of those countries, or if you're in one of the those states, plus you know, if if you're uh, if if you're one of those unfortunate people that are find yourself in the People's Republic of California or the People's Republic of New York, please come to South Carolina if you care about freedom. Because man, we need you down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't assume that South Carolina is going to remain this bastion of freedom forever. We have work to do here, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know many of us are are on the front lines of that. Uh, many people I know are on the front lines of that down here, but, um, you know, we've seen North Carolina, uh, go from being very con- conservative to being purple and now blue. We've seen that change happen in Virginia. Um, my goodness, the Virginia, the Virginia's governor has been one of the worst in the country. Uh, that's where I'm North from Carolina. originally. So yeah, well, I'm no. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been there for 10 years. I've been South Carolina for 10 years. Yeah. I still yeah. have uh, family there. And uh, for I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a beautiful state. There's a lot to love there and a lot of history. But, um, man, I don't know. Um, what are they putting in the water up there? Mm-hmm. I, I think, um, and let me ask you this this is what I've seen and heard from other uh, politicians and people in government. Do you think a lot of this stems from the lobbying? I think it, I think a lot of it stems from. Uh, people being busy about their lives, which there's no, nothing inherently wrong with, you know, this, the American dream, right? Mm-hmm. Um, work your job, build your business, you know, accumulate property, raise your family. Um, all of those things are, are good and necessary things. But um, at some point you have to look around and, and notice what's going on. Um, as I've told people before, you may not have an interest in politics, but politics sure enough has an interest in you. Mm-hmm. And the question is, are you going to wait until it's too late to do something about it? Um, mm-hmm. So many people, I think right now, look at these um, mandates, these these restrictive lockdown mandates, the mask mandates, the um, social distancing requirements, the lack of face-to-face instruction in schools, so many ways that this lockdown has taken shape and which we're bl- still bleeding from economically speaking, by mm-hmm. the way, um, the fact that it's, maybe a little less bad than it was back in April doesn't really mean a whole lot. We're still right. in, a, in an economic um, free fall, I think, but um, we're still on the 15 days. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, when we see all these things happening, I, I, I get the sense that a lot of people are thinking, well, I can just ride this out. I can just wait it out. I don't really, you know, I hate it. It's annoying. I don't like having to, to have this thing on my face all the time. Right. You know, whatever. Um, eventually, this can't go on forever. I think is a lot of people's assumption, and 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 perhaps there's this thinking out there that um, this is all, you know, a, a political controversy connected to the presidential race in November and so forth. And and right. I won't deny that there are some connections there. That you know, obviously, politicians on both sides are going to try to make hay of whatever issue is current anytime there's right. a political race, uh, and the president's race is no exception. 
Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, this isn't going away the day after the November election. In mm -hmm. fact, that's just when it's going to get started because that's when state legislatures are going to be ramping up their sessions. Just mm -hmm. got word today that South Carolina's organizational session will be December 1st and 2nd. So we're getting right to work. And what is that going to look like? Uh, bills will start getting pre-filed here in South Carolina mid-December. We'll know a little bit more about what we're dealing with then. But, um, you know, people need to be prepared that starting in January, there are going to be efforts, not just here, but probably in your state too, mm -hmm. uh, that, you know, they're going to try to say, well, vaccines are going to be required um, or you got to wear the mask uh, or, you know, uh, if you don't go and get COVID tested, you know, you're not going to be able to board the airplane or, you know, don't bother coming to work. Um, I mean, there's just so many different ways. And um, I, I really do expect there to be some attempt to link um, the mask requirements for COVID to the to flu season and to try to make that a permanent normal thing. So if you're not liking what's going on right now, just consider how much less you're going to like it when it's permanent mm -hmm. um, season after season after season. Well, from the looks of, uh, I think I read the numbers. I don't know if you've seen um, Africa and uh, cause they're just getting over their winter. If I'm not, not mistaken, South Africa, I think they only have one case of the flu down there, but they had a lot of cases of COVID this year. They might've found a cure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, people look at numbers like that and it's no wonder that they don't, so many people are doubting the experts. I, I, yeah. You know, why do mask mandates even exist? It's because people didn't wear masks when they were told to. Well, why didn't right. they wear masks when they were told to? Because they didn't believe that masks actually worked for the most part. Mm -hmm. Why didn't they believe they worked? Well, because public officials and experts changed their tune about three times over a three month period. Right. I mean, the, the, the whole point here is that politicians are guessing and they have literally no idea what to do about this. Yeah. Virus. And, yeah. And, and let's, let's understand that a virus is, is one of the most small, minute particles imaginable. Mm -hmm. It's not a living organism. It's not like a bacteria. It's not mm -hmm. like a fungus or a mold or anything else. It's, or a parasite. It's literally a tiny little blob of rogue DNA floating around. Mm -hmm. in your system and screws up your computer programming in your at your cellular level mm -hmm. uh, in your body and and that's what makes you sick and so i think right. i think it's high time that we return to mm -hmm. the you know understanding that the thing that has the best chance of keeping us well keeping us from getting sick is the is the defense that god gave us and that is called the immune system unfortunately let's make sure that thing's as strong yeah. as possible and then let's go live our lives and not live in fear yeah, unfortunately, um, most of the mainstream media is constantly pushing and pushing and pushing cases, and, and that's where a lot of the fear is coming from. Um, most of the people that uh, I consider experts in the field with this, they say there's a couple type of people. There's the people that are scared still, and if you're scared, I can respect that. I can try to try to tell you what I know and I'll show you the way, but if you want to wear a mask, that's your right. I don't have any problem with that. I just have a problem with somebody telling me or my kids that I have to wear it, um, you know. Absolutely, and, th and that's the thing. I mean, do we really think that these politicians that have no idea what to do with this virus are in any way qualified to dictate the medical choices that you or I must make or that well, we it's, make for our kids? I mean, let's be it's real a, here. 
it's a woke virus though because it's a woke virus it only attacks certain it only attacks <laughs> certain uh certain demonstrations it um you know, I remember when they said the mask mandates are going to be starting next week. So it's also got a calendar. It's that smart, you know, and in South Carolina, I don't know if it's in your end. It might have been all state. I'm guessing the 11 o'clock. I don't drink anymore. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the the curfew that 11 that... o'clock. They can't serve the, <laughs> the alcohol. So it must know that 11 o'clock. Make sure you're is out of the out. bar about 1059 because at yeah. 11 o'clock the COVID comes out. Have you, when's the last time you've been to Myrtle Beach? Have you been to Myrtle Beach in a while? I've been to Myrtle Beach uh, fairly recently, um, the week before last, I think. And, you know, the, looked out the window. I, we were at the Grand Dunes for an event. Mm -hmm. There was nobody out on the beach, hardly. Oh. And normally, uh, for this time of the year, it should be so full, you can hardly get around. Broadway at the beach, uh, Celebrations, which is that celebrity square there or it's had the group of bars with the hard rock uh it's been around i mean it was there when i moved here 10 years ago and i believe it's been there i don't want to say 20 maybe 15 20 years. ever since probably the beach has been built the top bar where they could skip through malibus and that closed down you know they had to close their doors because of this um because you of that and for all those years. Icon is gone for good mm-hmm that you know gone. i can think of a particular politician that needs to take all the blame for that <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's unfortunate because uh, Myrtle Beach is a tourist area. So, you know, a lot of these workers rely on tips and they rely on their, you know, even in the winter and off season, they still get yeah. quite amount of business because, you know, Myrtle Beach. Yeah, you have different bars here and there, but Broadway at the beach is going to get most of your attention from locals and non-locals year round, usually. Um, but... Um, and that's yeah, the, the big... saddest part of all this for me is the human cost, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I told this group that I was speaking to in Myrtle Beach recently, I, I said, you know, I'm, if you, if you believe that you're better off or that people are better off for your wearing a mask, do so. It would be wrong for you not to, if you, if that's what you believe. But all I'm saying is that when, when those of us that are in a policymaking position, for the entire state, um, and and I am in the state legislature, and so is the governor. Mm -hmm. When we're making decisions, we don't get the luxury of saving some people at the at the expense of others, right? I don't get the luxury of saying, "Well, I'm going to protect this group of people, but these other people are going to pay the price for it." Especially when that act of tr whatever it is I'm doing to try to protect some people from dying or getting sick or whatever, if that is doing actual, real, tangible harm especially if it threatens their lives in some way and right. threatening somebody's livelihood does threaten their life. Don't, don't right. end otherwise, you know, that's, I don't know. I think that's perhaps more immoral than doing nothing. Well, I think uh, the numbers have Thank shown God. throughout the world, more people have been hurt with the lockdowns than they've saved, you know, uh, I don't think even the who, to see even even the who had to chime in the guy last week, I believe, and said, Hey, we're, you know, we can't kill 2 million people to save 500,000 here. Um, whether that was just to, to uh, try to clear their name out, because I think they were the ones that were pushing the lockdown, if I'm not mistaken at first, but um, you know, I don't know the exact number, but I know a lot of people in, in other countries have starved um, 
a buddy of mine that was telling me that works for another radio station, he said, um, you know, we wear a mask here. And if you wear it, you know, some people wear it for satire, which is strange to me, but uh, they do. Some people like to wear it. They wear it or they'll comply with it, you know, acquiesce to it. But acquiescing here in a third world country, that means they're starving because what comes through America right. rolls out. And if we're right. allowing this little bit, then they're getting the brunt of it, you know, and um, it's really sad. It's really sad that anybody had to die from hunger ever, um, you know, and I know they do, but, you know, we don't see those numbers. All we see is these cases and, you know, we don't have enough time in the show for me to get into the test, which I 100% don't believe. I don't know if you've seen the FDA's websites, page 39 on the COVID, where they say from the CDC, but it's on the FDA sites, the PDF, I think I shared it, that they haven't purified the virus. You know, since they haven't pur purified a virus, that they use a DNA, some sort of a DNA and that's where they get to test. Um, and that's why a lot of them, they say, you know, and they told you the whole time, it could be a lot of false positive because it, you could have had a cold last year. We don't know if it's in your body. It's an amplification test. Carrie Mullis done a lot of independent research on him, and he seems like a great guy. I think if he was here, they definitely wouldn't be able to use that test because he did say on camera a bunch of times he didn't like Fauci and <laughs> it was a thorn in the side then. Um, but, you know, I know they have another test now too. And people, people that uh, are libertarians that I know are, are people that are not so anti-Trumpers, but they're skeptical. And I, you know, I'm, I watch all angles, you know, I, I think Trump's done a lot of good, but you know, I still, I still, I don't, I don't trust anybody at this point. So. Um, well, that, that skepticism <laughs> is, uh, is very healthy and, and, right. you know, just in the first, um, clue to me that this was going off the rails was actually February 28th uh, when I saw a ProPublica headline. Key missteps at the CDC have set back its ability to detect the potential spread of coronavirus. Man, I knew then we were we were in trouble. We were toast. And and that article, if I, is about how New York State, uh, how how the CDC botched their uh, their their ability to detect COVID. And guess what? I mean, that was one of the first major outbreaks. So. How much of this was actually caused by government incompetence? I mean, it's a it's, it's mm -hmm. very interesting question to ask. Yeah, definitely, definitely a very interesting question. We're going to be going to a break here in a minute. Um, let's touch real quick just for a minute there. I know you, one of the founders, or did you found uh, UnmaskSC.com? I, I created the website, UnmaskSC.com. Sure did. So... And there's another site on there, another, it was Alliance or Organization. Well, I also work with the Foundation for Applied Conservative Leadership. And we, That's maybe we can talk about that a little bit more in, in okay. your second half hour. But uh, uh, if you're wondering what to do and, and why the politicians won't listen and what to do about it, that's a, that's, they're a great resource. Okay. Yeah, we'll be touching with that right after the break here. We'll be going here shortly to the break uh, in about 30 seconds. Um, again, this is Jonathan Hill, state representative, South Carolina here. Are you from South Carolina? I am. I'm, I'm from South Carolina. You can uh, follow me at votehill.com and you can contact me there as well. 
All right. Anytime, day or night, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. All right. We're going to be taking a short break and we'll be right back in just a few seconds here. And right now we're going to go to our sponsor, Life Loop. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. People are already asking me about the social media site I've been talking about that's going to replace all the others because it will have better ways to share information, ideas, and photos with your family and friends without any censorship or selling your information to third parties. It's called Life Loop. That's life with a Y. L-Y-F-E. L-O-O-P. It is just now rolling out and Myrtle Beach is one of the first places that they are inviting folks to sign up. I've done it. You can go to the Google Play Store or if you have an iPhone, the Apple App Store or online at lifeloop.com, L-Y-F-E-L-O-O-P.com. And it is free. You can sign up so easily. And right now you can choose just about any username that you'd like because they are telling folks in Myrtle Beach about it first, as we're one of the metropolitan areas where people have overwhelmingly said if there was another social media platform that we could trust, that we know isn't selling our data, that isn't censoring any kind of content that they don't agree with, it'll make social media fun again. I don't think you'll be pulling your hair out so much when you're looking at all the content on LifeLoop. Advertisers aren't getting metrics on you. You're not going to be tracked. It's a totally different social media platform. That you got to see for yourself. Life Loop. That's L Y F E L O O P. Join it today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is Freedom Not Control with Justin Melanson. To reach the show today, we welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at freedomnotcontrol.com. Now, back to the show. And we're back. Freedom Not Control. Jonathan Hill, state representative of South Carolina, true patriot here, uh, former Tea Party member, Tea Party activist. Um, John, what I wanted to talk about now is what most Americans probably would agree is most important right now and what I definitely feel is most important. I know you do. What can we do and what are our options to... um, protect our freedom, protect our liberty, and, you know, protect ourselves from anything that we see upcoming, unjust mandates, such as masks, uh, vaccines. Um, I'll just let you take the floor on that. Yeah, yeah, it's a a great question, and it's one that's on so many people's minds. 
before a break, you mentioned a, a site that I set up, unmaskedsc.com. Mm-hmm. And the reason I set that up was, you know, as a, as a resource really for people that I started noticing a lot of people are just really weren't comfortable with what's going on. Didn't, didn't really believe the public narrative. Um, but why though? So many no. people, yeah, <laughs> They're right. so convincing. <laughs> right. So many people though felt alone and they didn't, they, they didn't feel empowered about what to do about it. They, um, you know, what, they wanted to trust their instincts, but everyone else is telling them that their instincts are wrong. Right. And, you know, after so much time, you, you start to feel, you start to really and seriously wonder, am I crazy? Am I full of it? Am I wrong? Could I be wrong here? And, uh-huh. you know, we should all be open-minded enough to ask those questions in a healthy way and at a, at a proper time and, and recognize when that time is. But, you know, there, when, when all the, actual clinical data prior to the lock, the, the start of the lockdowns um, said that masks are not helpful mm-hmm. in a public setting, that they're maybe helpful sometimes in a hospital setting, but that's it. And mm-hmm. certainly shouldn't be recommended for the public because it would probably make more people unsafe rather than safe. It would have the reverse effect. Mm-hmm. When you see, Dr. Fauci's initial advice and the CDC's initial advice uh, in February and, and, and early um, into March. In early also what he said, has said previously. Yeah. Numbers. Yeah, time. exactly. So hmm. when, when you when you compare all that and then you start seeing the, the narrative change, oh, now you should wear a mask. Uh, you know, a cloth mask is fine. And then, you know, the Surgeon General says, no, don't wear a mask. And then, then he says, do wear a mask. And then you know, now, um, July, August, um, your homemade cloth mask that you were encouraged to, to wear. And so many people worked so hard on, on creating thousands and probably millions of these things all over the country, um, that that's not good enough and you need a face shield and, you know, and all of this stuff. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's, it's, nothing about the narrative is actually cohesive or consistent or logical. Number one, number two, it actually does contradict all the known science prior to that. And we see a shift taking place between uh, skepticism, which runs science or, or, or used to run science to dogma. And well, you have a lot. They have a yeah, lot of propaganda out there pushing a lot of propaganda. And because it comes because mm-hmm. government politicians have figured out to use people with scientific credentials behind their names as their mouthpieces that people mm-hmm. assume that what the politicians are saying must, or what the politicians are paying them to say, I should, I should be more specific there with politicians are paying these scientists to say, um, people like Dr. Fauci, big pharma, um, that, that, <laughs> big pharma. They, must, they must know what they're talking about because right. they're as experts, right? Because they're scientists, because they have, mm-hmm. uh, all these credentials and letters behind their name. So it's easy to think that w- with all that going on, that man, there's no way that all these people could be wrong. I'm right. the one who's wrong. Right. It simply isn't true. And, and the moment, and, and, and that's the amazing thing about truth, right? Is that anybody can find anybody with an open mind and a bit of honesty can find the truth. Mm-hmm. So all you got to do is whatever CNN says, it's the opposite is true. Yeah. No, <laughs> sure. no, but uh, that's a not good just them. Point for but, sure. that's what, a good I, what did, did you see Atlas's post? 
our tweet that got blocked yesterday. I think I oh, uh, are, are they coming after you guys now too? No, Atlas, the medical White House advisor, okay. the one that Trump hired. I, I like yeah. him. His tweet was, do mask work? No. And then Twitter blocked him. It was from the White House. And he was showing the – that was just yesterday. Wow. Um, but I, I like the title and I, I share it. I like Atlas. I think that I'm sure that's why Trump brought him in to get another opinion out. But I've been of the opinion get, uh, since early on that uh, President Trump probably wasn't comfortable with a lot of what Dr. Fauci was saying, but mm-hmm. by the maybe he didn't um, realize he was going to say that initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and before he knew, before he could do anything about it, rather, um, he found himself politically speaking outmaneuvered by Fauci. That's my personal opinion on what happened. Um, because, you know, you get into April and, you know, if you're getting rid of the head of, um, the National Institute of Infectious Diseases, um, it's going to look pretty bad when you're in the middle of a pandemic and you're firing the, you know, the top guy, um, that's supposed one to be of the best things you safe. Yeah. One of the best things, uh, I think that he did, and I'm not sure if any other one did, I think maybe Africa did, um, was get rid of the who, mm, yes. um, and you know, yeah, most people, a that. lot of people still don't know that Tedros is not a doctor, even though he, I think he uses that in front of his name. He's not a doctor of anything. Okay. Um, and, but he uses the title. I don't know how that's allowed. I guess you could do that now. I don't know. I could be <laughs> I, a doctor. Who knows? I mean, but, um, it's just, I didn't know that. At this point. I didn't know that because he's in the public at first and he had doctors for his name. I, you know what I mean? But, um, it was obvious that, you know, where he was going with it was not in the best interest. I think I do applaud Trump for that. And um, because we've seen the countries that didn't do that. And man, um, I think, I'm not sure if you know, did, did Africa do that too? I know they tested a papaya. I remember that thing, that whole fiasco. The papaya. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> I, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I haven't, I haven't followed exactly um, everything that's happened with the who. Yeah. I just, so uh, much anytime happened. I hear their name mentioned, I tune out. Yeah. I really couldn't care less what the who thinks or, yeah <laughs> but uh you know the the question here just to get back to your original mm-hmm. point what do we do about this now right and can we do something about this i mean um clearly this this uh discussion over um the government's role in our medical decisions isn't going to go away anytime soon it's not a new question and it's not going away so so what do we do about it i mean first mm-hmm. and foremost um you've got to be a medical freedom voter. I mean, it starts there, right? Um, don't vote for politicians that don't support your medical freedom. It's that simple. So right. if you know what they think about it, ask them. Um, you've, you know, you've got to signal to them that they've got to earn your support. And the way they do that is by uh, supporting and protecting your freedom. Right. Um, if uh, one good question to ask would be, uh, did you vote, uh, to fund the shutdown, vote to fund the lockdown. I mean, um, it's really no wonder that our state legislature supported the governor by and large in his, uh, you know, what I believe to be illegal and unconstitutional shutdown mm-hmm. um, because they, uh, you know, approved billions and billions of dollars to be spent to fund the expenses related to the shutdown. And those expenses mm-hmm. include everything from funding the government operations to 
um, all the way down to grants for small businesses and nonprofits, uh, which is the latest here in South Carolina. So, uh, and everything in between, uh, we've, we've used emergency dollars to basically, whether we meant to or not, create demand for universal basic income here in South Carolina uh, through the Federal CARES Act. Uh, we were funding people to stay home and not work uh, to the tune of $600 a week. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's a lot of money. I mean, I don't I think Andrew Yang only s- suggested a thousand a month. We're already past that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've got to make it clear to our, our state politicians or our federal politicians that, you know, we're going to vote for those people and only those people that are going to have our backs when it comes to medical freedom and are going to stay out of our medical choices. That's where it starts. Um, beyond that, uh, mm-hmm. wherever you are, even in, um, even in the People's Republic of Massachusetts, I mean, it, there are towns where it is possible to fight political fights and fight well, well, find, you know, friends and neighbors and coworkers who agree with you, band together, and uh, give your local politicians a really bad day. Um, and what do I mean by that? I don't mean doing anything that's, you know, violent or, or mm-hmm. ugly, um, but I do mean picking up the phone and calling them and saying, Hey, why are you doing this? And this is not okay. This is not acceptable. And we're not going to put up with it. And, you know, I, I can tell you as a state rep here in South Carolina, that the number of people that call me about an issue on a weekly basis is exactly zero. Oh, wow. I get the occasional call, maybe a few times a year, uh, more so when we're in session than when we're not about this issue or that issue, but most people, they don't pick up the phone and they don't call their reps. Um, right. I'll get, I, I get more constituent service calls. By and I think, I, I think I know why than anything else. I think I know why, because especially with this, a lot of people, are, we don't know who to trust. Who are we really calling? You know what I mean? Um, and I, you probably agree with that. Um, well, I, I could once say about you, yeah. you are, you know, you are definitely somebody to trust here. Um, well, and a lot of, a lot of politicians will try to hide from their constituents. They don't really mm-hmm. like getting those kinds of calls. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they'll hide behind a staffer. They'll let a secretary take the call or something like that. And, and if that's going on, then that just means you need to be more insistent that your message mm-hmm. get through, um, double down, you know, don't just make a phone call. Also right. look at their cell number and send them a text message or send them an email too, and send them a, a letter in the mail. I mean, they, they eventually it gets to a point where they can't ignore you forever mm-hmm. uh, or they do that to their own peril. Um, and of course the ultimate is uh, next election cycle run against them. If they, if they've been dodging you, if they won't answer straight, a straightforward question about will you allow me to make my own medical decisions and, and uh, stay the heck out of it, then um, you know, if, if you can't get a straight answer on something like that, then they, they probably need somebody to, to challenge them and run against them. So, um, you know, if anybody's interested in, it's just some of the nuts and bolts of, okay, how do we do this, this kind of stuff? I mean, I, um, South Carolina has a lot of, you know, revolutionary war history and one of our, um, revolutionary war heroes that, that we're known for was Francis Marion. He was a swamp Fox and he would pop out and he would do guerrilla warfare on King George's army. And then they'd pop back mm-hmm. into the swamps. Um, 
And uh, we still have places in South Carolina named for Francis Marion. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think that uh, I think that there's a lot that we can do. I mean, think about it. We fought an entire revolutionary war using basically guerrilla warfare tactics. The, the turning point in the war was when George Washington realized that we, we weren't going to beat King George by fighting like King George. We were going to beat King George by fighting like the Native Americans. And so we took some pages out of their playbooks and, and uh, that's when, when things started to go differently. And I think that we could do this exact same thing with the politicians. We're not going to beat them playing according to their rules. We're going to beat them by making them play according to our rules and mm-hmm. on our ground that, that we pick and on the issues that we pick. And so I, um, I've had the opportunity to learn quite a lot um, uh, about this and uh, really have a strong desire to help other people learn and especially avoid mistakes that I've made over the years. So my first political involvement was 2008, 2009. And if you think back what was going on back then, it was uh, under uh, Bush two, the uh, TARP bailout, Lehman Brothers, too big to fail. And then, and then Obama, uh, the American Recovery Reinvestment Act, um, you know, several different rounds of printing money and dumping it into the economy. You know, mm-hmm. everybody was scared of inflation worried about what the Federal Reserve was doing. Uh, And then right on the heels of that, a major, major, major medical freedom fight uh, known as Obamacare. And and I feel like I'm having a major case of deja vu right now. But what was happening then in the middle of all that was that people were actually waking up and getting involved. I mean, that was Mm -hmm. um, 9-12-2009 was the historic march on Washington, D.C. And I was actually there uh, with several members of my family. And uh, at least 1.2 million other Americans converged on Washington, D.C. And, um, you know, there's so many people that could, could hardly get around. And, and it, was, it was quite an unforgettable experience. But then those people went home. Mm-hmm. And then what happened next? Mm-hmm. You know, um, so there were some mistakes made. Um, as a result, it fizzled out probably sooner than it should have. But it still had an effect, a major effect on the 2010 midterm elections. And, you know, when, when politicians understand that, and and I think this is where the Tea Party missed some of its biggest opportunities, you don't have to necessarily get elected to affect change. In fact, if you do get elected, you're going to find yourself hamstrung in several key ways. When you're on the outside, you maintain the freedom to attack and you have um, uh, a wider range of possibilities of things that you, that you can do from the outside to affect the people that are making the decisions on the inside. So I'm less worried about the people that are making the decision as I am about the environment in which they're making those decisions. What are the expectations of, of the public? What uh, do they think their voters want? And, mm-hmm. and things like that. So um, there's a, there's quite a lot that can be done uh, when so few people get involved and, and politicians, especially at the state and local levels, hardly ever hear from voters at all about anything. Mm-hmm. And then they get a few dozen phone calls, um, you know, several weeknights in a row. Mm-hmm. That's, that's world changing for them. I mean, that changes their whole outlook. Wow. Um, that's good to know. Uh, this so, is good information because a lot of people definitely don't know. I did. I would never yeah. have thought that. It doesn't I, take nearly as many people to affect political change as you would think. The reason it's not happening is because nobody's taking the initiative to actually get the ball rolling. Right. And I think, like I said, I wasn't talking about, they think they're not going to do anything per se, but I think it's the overall thing, like uh, just with like 
oh, just voting in general. Oh, a lot of people, you know, oh, it's not going to matter, you know. And um, the same thing down to locally. Oh, it's not going to matter. He's not going to take my call. He's going to be too busy, you know. Well, it's um, human nature, too, to assume that somebody mm-hmm. else has got this, mm-hmm. right? My, and that's how the world my is My friend or neighbor that's, that follows politics and watches Fox News all the time, they'll know what to do. And, and, they, and they're taking right. it. They're watching over it. I, I, can, go, I can go fish. A lot of, yeah, a lot of people don't know that they can do a lot at their state level, you know, at their city level, where it all starts from the ground up. And right. I've learned a lot of that this year. Um, this year woke up a lot of sleeping giants that were <laughs> a lot of sleeping giants that, um, so I think um, that we're in for a change for sure. Um, I know a lot of people that, you know, would never gonna do anything like this including myself right we saw no other choice because you know i can't look my kids in the eyes and say that i didn't do anything even though i have done stuff online as yourself do this and that do this and 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 run websites and put out good information and independent news but i had to physically be there do everything that i could do and i know you have and i applaud you for everything you do and i'm I'm going to take you up. I, I want, I want you to teach me some stuff. So I, I like to learn. I, I don't see myself ever being into politics though. I well, neither did I. I. I mean, honestly, yeah. I, I'm a sci-fi nerd. I'm a computer geek. I write <laughs> software code for a living mm-hmm. uh, when I'm not in the legislature and, and you're in, you can see mm-hmm. Justin, you can at least, I don't know if this is going to be on your broadcast, but you can at least see my mm. uh, very messy home office. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, this is this is where the work happens, and millions of viewers are watching it right now. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm just I'm just a regular guy, and and I didn't mm-hmm. want to be involved in politics. But like I said, I mean, sometimes yeah. politics has a way of finding you. And, and mm-hmm. um, honestly, I didn't really want to run for office either. I'd just as soon go out and make money and live my life. But mm-hmm. you know, knowing what I know, it would be morally wrong, I believe, for me not to try to love my neighbor by protecting their freedom and looking out for their interests. But the problem here is I can't do it by myself. I'm just one out of 124 state reps. Um, and that's just, and I'm in the state house. So that's one half of the state legislature. So one of 124 of one half of one third of the state government, I mean, mm-hmm. but you can do it. Your voice that care about liberty and freedom that can do Mm -hmm. more about this than I can by myself. And so we've got to work together. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're in South Carolina, please do reach out to me, votefield.com, unmaskedsc.com is also a great resource that's out there for your use. If you're not in South Carolina and you're listening, you can still um, follow me um, and, and subscribe on both of those sites and uh, feel free to take the content and the models that, um, is being used for unmaskedsc.com and repurpose it because it's, it's not anything that's particularly terribly unique to South Carolina. It can, it could apply to pretty much any of our 50 States. Um, the mm-hmm. facts are the facts. And would you recommend at the day, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, it's not the politicians that are qualified to make our medical decisions. I'm not qualified to make your medical decisions and uh, neither is any other politician. Right. Yeah. A lot of people don't know and forget that, the politicians and that are there in DC actually work for us. Um, you know, a lot of them, you know, they're there to protect the constitution supposedly and to protect our freedom work for the people. Um, but you know, as I'm going to name any names, but I'm sure we see them all the time on TV. They, 
they know better what we need than we know what we need, you know. Yeah, there's, there's a, <laughs> they feel. There's a They've been there 40 years. And, that. And, mm-hmm. and too many Americans are all too willing to let experts um, decide for them. I mean, I think we have a lot of ingrained trust of experts and of science. And, you know, if it's true science, that's one thing. But um, we have this bastardization of science now that no longer are we asking questions and, and challenging the the hypothesis that and those are the mechanisms that move science forward. It's not that anymore. Freedom of speech is crucial to science. And, and mm-hmm. more and more, we're having scientists being censored for challenging the hypothesis for we have doctors and, and other medical practitioners losing their jobs as a result. And this can't mm-hmm. go on. If right. you don't think for one minute that your easy way of life and life as you know it, the way you're used to living life in America is going to continue. Mm-hmm. It's up to you to decide whether you're going to accept the new normal or not. Right. And you know, well, 1984 not is happening. It's just happening six, right. you know, uh, I'm not accepting it and I'm not 30, wearing a mask either. Um, but, um, <laughs> that, <years late. laughs> but, uh, what I was going to say to this, and, and I read this on the Unmasked SC, and I know this is general to a lot of the things that you're doing, but, and I heard this before, and I, and I hear this a lot from different people. They say, you know, once they, these, the politicians you see, they get in the power, they're not going to want to release that power once they get the 15 days. And it says that on there, and with you saying it here at the state level, I'm thinking, wow, a lot of people don't think it at the state level. You know, most of them will think, oh, yeah, the ones that they're in Congress, of course, maybe they're power hungry, but to see that is kind of scary. It's definitely scary here, you know, in my mind, you know, I'm no saint and I, you know, nobody's perfect, but I just boggles my mind to see somebody would want to live their life as a dictatorish, as a local or anything. Well, one, one simple way to explain why the states are a bigger threat to your, your liberty and freedom than the federal government is, is because they're not nearly as deadlocked as the, as the federal government is. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at how acrimonious and deadlocked things are between the Republicans and Democrats in Congress and in the U.S. Senate, and then compare that at the state level, and it's nothing like that at the state level. In fact, um, here, here in South Carolina, and I, I believe this is probably true in many states, that you either have one party that's overwhelmingly in control and they have as many votes as they could ever wish for to get anything done that they want, mm-hmm. and so there is no competition there, or the Republicans and Democrats get along splendidly and they they're both pretty much on the same page doing the same kind of stuff for the most part and we've got that going on here in south carolina as well we've got a bunch of fake republicans that that are really yeah. should have been democrats for being honest so um mm. you know that those are just basic reasons why the, the state's where it's at i mean mm-hmm. and, and and the proof's in the pudding too right i mean Right. If, if states weren't a big threat to liberty and freedom, why would people be moving to South Carolina from New York, New Jersey, California, and other states? Real estate's going up here. It's it selling is. hot. And I'll tell <laughs> you, got a, around Lake Hartwell, it's a great place to be, so come join us. Yes, I definitely want to go over there. That's one part of South Carolina I've never been to. I think the closest I've been to there is uh, over when I went to Cherokee, up through that way. You Still not too, too close. You got the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains less than two hours mm-hmm. away. You're right on the highway. Beautiful area. Charlotte and Atlanta is just great for so many reasons. I might be over there soon. We've got just a few seconds here uh, before we leave. Uh, Mr. Hill, tell them again how they can contact you there. Yeah, you can follow me on votehill.com. 
And if you believe the message of, of medical freedom, go uh, sign up on uh, unmaskedsc.com and follow us there. If you want to learn more about what you can do to push back, uh, just reach out to me. All right. Thank you so much, Jonathan. And I'm sure we'll speak again. That wraps up this week's episode. Y'all have a nice day. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Freedom Not Control. Please join your host, Justin Melanson, for another edition of the program next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until the next show, we wish you a great week.